Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, where we talk about advertising, media and marketing. I would say chew the fat, but given the government's recent diktat, that seems inappropriate. Anyway, you may have noticed that the voice behind this intro sounds a little different this week. Our usual host, Omar Oaks, has just had a baby and is on paternity leave. So congratulations, Omar, and hello to Baby Verity, a perfect name for the child of a journalist. I'm your host this week, Jeremy Lee, and over the next few weeks, we'll be trying out some different stuff with this podcast. This week, though, is much the same, and we're going to dive into some news stories with the help of campaign's news editor, Gurgit Deegan. Hello, Gurgit. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Jezza? I'm very good. What have you been up to? Um, not very much. I went to the gym. Hey! <laughs> a moment of great relief and freedom for you. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was home again. Fantastic. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I must have missed it. It was, it, was, it was really fun, yeah. I just went to see my personal trainer there. I'm a bit nervous about going on my own, like, as in do my own thing, um, just because... I don't know how the other how the members are going to be behaving and how busy it is and things like that. But uh, it was fine. I might go for a swim later as well. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, and then I'll be talking to Sue Higgs, Group Creative Director at Grey, and Shilton Savani, a solicitor and partner at law firm Gunner Cook, which specialises in employment law. We'll be discussing the difficult topic of bullying in the workplace. Sue recently wrote a powerful piece for campaign discussing her experiences of being bullied out of a job and how the recent lockdown may provide an opportunity to remove this element of toxic workplace culture. After that, me and Gurdjieff will be coming back to discuss some of the latest ads. All this and more on this week's edition of the campaign podcast. Gurdjieff, so what have been the big stories this week? Well, I think it's as you kind of touched on in your intro the government's uh, campaign uh, tackling obesity it's called better health so boris johnson you know after he was in hospital with corona he realized the importance i think i think this is right <laughs> he realized the importance of those uh, being healthy in the nation's kind of obesity crisis they pr- proposed to ban advertising pre 9 p.m is it um possibly online as well so uh, I think it's gone down and not so well with the ad industry, I guess. It's interesting because I think um, they've been this, this idea of banning HFS food before 9pm is going around for, for at least 10 years. And I think it's going to be another two years before it's implemented at least. So it looks like it could be another uh, headline grabbing thing. And I, But also, when you make the point that the advertising industry has gone down quite badly with them. But I saw, um, I saw a piece uh, that pointed out that the... The, the gap that the broadcasters are claiming will appear in their revenues from HFSS foods could quite easily be filled by um, ads for more healthy foods and more healthy diets. So perhaps do you think there could have been a, an overreaction by broadcasters, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to perceived threat to revenue? I, I don't know, because, yeah, healthy foods, I mean, uh, what are you going to advertise then? Like, what, avocado? And- well, <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a, it's a fair point. <laughs> They're not really branded, are they? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think there's sort of weight loss, weight loss programs and healthy substitutes uh, are a possibility. Oh, this, this was just something I saw moved on LinkedIn. I think they, I think, yeah. I think that someone pointed out that HFSS Foods makes up only five percent of IT's revenue pre nine pm. So there might be um, some overstatement, but again, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a complex issue, and there's lots of various different stakeholders. Oh, I see. I hadn't realised that only 5%. Now that That's quite interesting because I suppose there's so much regulation around HFSS foods anyway and drinks, I guess, um, in terms of like targeting children. So I'm not sure how much more of a, of a ban 
is there. Um, but yeah, as I suppose, yeah, I would agree with that, with the headline grabbing. It definitely grabbed the headlines and uh, got people a little bit miffed, I think. Totally. And this is one of a, a number of measures the government's um, looking at introducing through, I think, through Public Health England, including, um, you know, encouraging people to get their bikes out of the sheds. Um, and which you've done of, already. Which, which I have done. Much <laughs> well, pleasure. And to sort of, you know, opening up partnerships with Weight Watchers to try and make their, their nation a bit healthier. Um, what do you make of it as sort of an overall plan? I know, obviously, we discussed your, your very much a, a healthy living person. You're, a, <laughs> you know, a big gym fanatic. What do you think of the strategy as a whole? I th- look. I think yes, we should always. Th- I mean, the government should always be doing something about. Um, you know, if if our nation is un- is is not as healthy as as it should be, perhaps. But I I just don't think weight weight watchers slimming world discounts is really going to help. I think. It starts at a young age mm. in terms of nutrition, um, education. I think that kind of thing isn't really put across very well. I I don't like this kind of like war war against fat or war on fat or something like that, whatever mm. the term is that the, the papers were using. It's, it just kind of puts the, you know, it's, it's, it's the fault of the person that they're, you know, that they're a bit um, unhealthy or something, um, mm. when in fact, like... Um, that may be some of the case, but you know there's there's a lot of other issues involved, um, like mental health. If you look at if you go to the supermarket, those um, ready meals are available for quite a, a low price, and there definitely needs to be something being, to be done. And this is kind of a, a step in the right direction, but um, just some you know an advert on some people skipping, um, mm. I just don't think is. It's, good. it's not going to solve it, I think. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think if you, if you if you start by educating people properly on on what nutrition is and saying like it's not just it's not just about eating salads for the rest of your life and like going crazy at the gym, find some find some exercise that you like and learn about nutrition. I think is, but I don't think that that's really headline grabbing, is it? So. I think I think that's right. I think the idea that this is sort of a panel series. It's simplistic. I think, it's, as you say, it's got to start much earlier. It's got to be a big societal change. It's got to start with with education as well. But maybe it's a step in, the, you know, a slightly chubby step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also been some um, some other big news, and um, uh, and this is a bit introspective, but um, after, gosh, I must be, I think it's nearly 28 years on campaign, our global letter in chief, Claire Beale, uh, has, has just left. Um, Gurdjieff, I've worked with you for on and off for six years and I remember when you first started what were, you, what were your uh, what were your first impressions of Claire you interviewed me actually did, you were yeah. amazing do you remember in Berners Street in that office I do. um and then yeah so I had an interview with, with the two of you and and obviously quite um it went quite well and then you invited me back for a second interview and that was with Claire um, and I was so, so nervous. One, I'd never ever even done a second interview before. It was actually at the MNC Sarchi office. I think you guys were working in town and maybe uh, Burner Street was kind of used for events or something. Um, and so I saw Maisie and Claire in the MNC Sarchi office. I was waiting in the uh, leather chair they have in their reception bit upstairs. 
It was in a, it, I'm sure it was a warm day. Well, I don't know, actually. She had sunglasses on. <laughs> she had her sunglasses on. Any day. I know, actually, yeah. So, so that. And then she was like, just walking, walking, walking down in a really lovely kind of dress. And I, immediately I was like in, intimidated. I was like, oh my gosh, um, that's Claire. Like, oh gosh. And she was like, oh, hi. Um, she was really, really lovely. Oh, and she grabbed my water and she said, oh, we're just over here. Is that your water? Come in, come and sit with us and stuff. And um, and we just had a, had a nice little chat. I think about the thing about Claire is that when you're a kind of a, a younger journalist joining you I don't know for me I always look at like kind of the the quality of the other journalists on the title so Claire's writing you know some of the features that she used to write back in the day as well were just like really 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 good and there's a lot to learn from that um there's just a lot to learn from Claire um and herself I think you're right she has this sort of image that sort of was at first glance was really intimidated and, and uh, a lot of people in the industry were sort of like what's Claire like what's Claire like because she's sort of walking with her sunglasses on or <laughs> breezing and, and actually they were terribly front of her in fact she was she was really really nice and a great boss yeah. and I just want to finish by saying uh, she would say she worked on the campaign for more than half its 52 year existence I worked with her for for 20 years on and off and um and I think it's up to us now she's gone, it's the time, you know, her legacy is for us to carry on those sort of stands of editorial excellence that you, you talked about earlier. Yeah, she's she's definitely instilled those values in us. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. She's very much missed, but I'm glad to say she's back for one last column in the September Sprint Mag. And of course, she's, she's not gone away uh, from the industry for good. And I'm sure she'll turn up somewhere and I can't wait to see where. Uh, let's go over now to the interview with Sue and Shilpin, and then we'll be back to discuss a few of the latest ads. So last month, Sue wrote a piece on LinkedIn on experiences of bullying around 10 years ago in an agency job, which she eventually left to protect her health and well-being. Sue followed this up with an article on campaign going to further details. She wrote... I was shocked by the huge number of people who responded saying they had similar experiences at work. So many people in advertising messaged me with their stories, brutal raw tales of lives destroyed, mental health issues, anxiety and self-doubt. I had messages from many women, but also a surprisingly large number of men too. Everyone had one thing in common, their lives being made a misery by someone in power and it was all hushed up. The more I read, the more I realised just how vast the problem is and how it's seen as some accepted norm. Sue, thank you very much for joining us to discuss this. Um, and also, hello to Shilpin, uh, solicitor and partner at law firm Gunnar Cook, who's going to be able to provide some legal clarity to the conversation. Hi, Sue and Shilpin. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. So, Sue, can, can you tell us about your experience, please? Good morning, Jeremy, and good morning, Shilpin. Yeah, so it's it was an extraordinary time. It was around 2012, and I'd worked at, where, at the agency for a long time, and then a new guy came in, and he immediately split me with my partner and promoted him and left me. And it, it, it's an interesting thing being bullied because you sort of don't realise it's happening at the time. It sort of seems to build up over a matter of time. It took me a while, bizarrely, to get my head around the behaviour and try and process it because I knew it felt wrong, but I'd never experienced it. And it, it leaves you in quite a lonely, vulnerable place. It's something you don't notice. It doesn't take one hit to know that you're being bullied. It's a process, unfortunately. And it gets you to the point where 
you sort of have to do something about it. So a lot of things would happen. So, for example, I was always left out of things. I was I was always asked why I bothered to come into into work every day. When why I was even there? What was my point? Was I even happy? The effect it has on your mental health it just drives you and drives you and drives you to a point where you just can't take that anymore. So yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. But and I think also surrounding it is an amount of shame because there are a lot of people who weren't getting that. So you sort of think, gosh, part part of it makes you feel like it's actually your fault and maybe you are doing something wrong. Your work does sort of suffer a little bit because you start to doubt yourself. So again, this process, it's a downward spiral. Um, and yeah, it, it's quite, quite, quite the thing. So did you, were you singled out or was it a sort of bullying across the department? Do you feel that it was sort of you were targeted as an individual? I think it was general across the department, but I was particularly singled out because I didn't fit into his his um, version of what a creative should be because I was a woman with children. So he quite enjoyed the fact he could he could wield some sort of power over me with my children. So like for one example, I'm a single mother as well and I've got a, an amazing... Um, lady who used to look after my children she broke her um, she broke her leg and she couldn't collect my children from school and he looked at me and he's when he found out he said you're not going anywhere you're on a pitch he kind of quite enjoyed this sort of power he had over me I seem to get it the worst of the department but other people struggled as well I've always had quite a strong opinion um, and I'm proud of my opinion um, and I've always been validated for my opinion but he didn't like it so he sort of almost made it a little bit of a mission to 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 silence me uh, that's how it felt so how, how long did they go on for this this behavior I would say it was a good year I just couldn't cope after a while I just couldn't cope with it because it was just it sort of felt like it was intensifying and I was just I didn't know what to do I felt just fear and also like I said because I'm a single mother my children depend on me and to stay alive so it was a really frightening situation and really difficult because it was just pre all the me too and um time's up movement so the, there were small amounts of conversation but not a huge kind of swell as there is now a little bit but even though even now though bullying is still I feel like one of the last bastions of the industry that hasn't been tackled yet which is why I thank you for giving us the you know the opportunity to to talk about it today Oh, it's absolutely, I mean, your experience is sort of, as we'll discuss later, resonates with a lot of people and it's absolutely horrendous. And I know that you, you mentioned that you went to your HR department um, to discuss the, you know, the, 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 the problems you were having. What, what sort of response did, I know this was a few years back, but what sort of response did you, did you get from them and were you satisfied with what they said to you? Um, I, I, there, was, there was one really lovely um, guy who really, really um, listened to me. He understood. He was very empathetic. And he told me, he gave me some, he said, write a diary. I've still got this diary. It's still actually quite painful to, um, to visit. Um, and he said there was a whole dossier against this guy, but he wasn't in a senior enough position in order to kind of take it forward. And I think he... <sighs> he was amazing for me he was supportive of me he gave me some great advice eventually I had to get because I started having panic attacks so it made me really very ill and so I had to protect myself by um I got myself signed because I couldn't I stopped being able to breathe so he he helped me with protecting me but it but 
in the grand scheme of things, because the powers that be deemed that the guy was more important because he was winning awards, etc., that he had no ultimate power in the end, because I think, you know, they were representing what the agency's bigger needs were, and it wasn't my kind of struggle or my mental health. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like they, you know, he tried to protect you, but ultimately the HR department was protecting the business. A hundred percent, yeah, that's exactly right. Shilpin, how, how common is this? Or, or, or no, well, I know Sue talked to this was a, a, I don't know, eight years ago or whatever. I mean, is, is it still a, a, still an issue today? Um, sadly, Jeremy, yes, it's it's all too common. Sue's um, story in particular seems um, really quite extreme because the, the, the perpetrator we're discussing here seems to have actually enjoyed what he was doing and 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 knew that he was abusing his his, his position. Sometimes you get sort of bullying that that is almost sort of. I don't know, maybe sort of unintended or inadvertent, but this seems to be, you know, an especially extreme case because of the the the, the, the sort of deliberate nature of it all. Um, sadly, it happens a lot. Um, I mean, there's there's quite a lot that you can do about it in 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 terms of um, legal rights. Um, but I agree entirely with Sue that um, bullying, in some ways, is the last bastion um, in, in, in the workplace. Mainly because it isn't protected um, it, 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 as a standalone um, uh, s- sort of area of, of, of employment law, um, so it, it can lead to things like um, constructive dismissals, unfair dismissal, um, uh, harassment, um, or discrimination claims under the um, I- equality laws. But in itself, bullying um, is, is not a, a, a sort of a protected um, space um, in, in, in employment law. You see. Sue kept a diary, but is it is it a case of like a, a you know he says she says you know it's um it's a it's one of those things that's difficult to prove. You no know, one person's bullying might be another person's assertive management. Like how how do you actually um you know make the case or prove to management as, as Sue tried to do with her HR department that you are being that the, the, the behaviour of your boss or your colleague is bullying. Well, I mean, uh, in these situations, it, it, it really is very um, uh, it's sort of dependent on the individual circumstances. Um, but having a consistent thread, um, you know, knowing that you're being placed under sort of undue pressure or being mistreated uh, and then joining the dots by keeping a narrative and keeping a record of it all um, is, is, is probably the best starting place. Um, but I, I, I generally suggest, and I, this is what I advise my clients, uh, my employee clients, is to back yourselves. Um, at the end of the day, um, it, it, it may be your word against the, the other individuals, but um, th- that's the case in almost every legal proceeding. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be a witness or you shouldn't tell your story or stand up for your rights. Um, most times, uh, I'm a big believer, you know, the, the truth will prevail. Yeah, I, I think it's quite hard as well, because at the point that you feel you're most broken, you have to defend yourself and your fight gets taken. I probably carried on longer than I should have done because like I say it my livelihood and my children's livelihood depended on it I couldn't really afford to to, I had a lawyer obviously in the end to to negotiate my exit but I couldn't afford because there was at one point there was a suggestion that I would you know legally kind of take this on but I it's quite hard when you don't have the means as well so it's sort of generally seen that the, the easiest way is just to creep away quietly you know with well, so I'm sorry, Sue, I was going to ask you, how did you sort of extricate yourself from the, the situation at your, at your previous employer with the, with the bullying? So in the end, like I say, I remember it so clearly. I, I just, something snapped in me and I was like, this is enough. It made me really quite ill. And I just thought, 
the way that I could protect myself is I got myself a doctor's note and I went to the doctor and I just said, look, I can't do this anymore. And I just broke. I haven't fully broken down, but I had I had enough of strength left in me to know that I had to protect myself. And with a bit of time and the right people around me, you know, I, I got stronger. And that's when I sort of started speaking with a lawyer and talking about how to do this. But I protected myself with 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 a doctor's note. I think that was the best thing that happened to me because it allowed me the space to try and heal. When you're in it, you don't see it. It's only when you extract, you realise what a bad place you were kind of in. Well, I think it's interesting. And it's very, you know, it took great foresight for you to be able to go and, you know, see a doctor, get a doctor's note. I think there's a lot of employees who are in a similar position who won't have the you know the foresight to do that sadly I mean Shilpin what, what sort of what sort of advice would you give to people who are who sort of um feel like they're being bullied should they go to the doctor should they go to their HR should they go to a lawyer I think the first thing is is, is not to underestimate the impact on on on, on, on one's um, health and well-being and, and Sue well done for recognizing that yourself um I mean that that's why doctors have the ability to and and the authority to um to sign you off um is because stress in the workplace can can really really undermine your health um and and well done for doing that because it did it sounds like it did give you a breathing space uh to to consider your options and to just kind of recheck your the the reality that you found yourself in that of course is 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 the number one thing is to protect your well-being but very very um so immediately behind that should be taking professional uh, advice i would say just because there's no doubt your employer is probably being advised and, and and whether it's by their own hr department or um, whether it's by external uh, legal advisors. And the, the best way to kind of um, understand what your rights are is, is, is to ask someone who can, who can help you with that. And there is a lot that can be done. I mean, one thing that I, I find quite striking about um, your story, Sue, is that um, th- there has been a, a, a duty on employers to take reasonable steps to um, avoid unacceptable behaviour, which includes bullying towards um, uh, th- th- their employees. Um and this was confirmed uh, by the um, uh, Employment Appeal Tribunal uh, as, as long ago as, as 2000. Um, it's the trouble being that sometimes HR departments will simply bow to the most powerful person in the business uh, and not necessarily think about what their actual legal obligations are. And sometimes it, you get kind of, I mean, it's almost like a bit of gap, like, oh, you know what he's like, or you know what she's like, or, oh, don't take it all so seriously, or, well, don't worry about that, he's like that with everybody. And you get these kind of really weird kind of uh, narratives that, or, or excuses that, that sort of kind of make you question yourself. I mean, if there's one thing I think that I would say to some, if it feels wrong, it generally is wrong. Well, it's, in, it's interesting, so I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that this person sort of got away with it because they were winning awards, and it was it was something you know it, they were obviously seemed as important to the to the agency at the time, and that sort of leads me to question you, Shilpin, whether, whether you think this sort of um, experience is particularly particularly prevalent within the advertising industry because of that kind of like the cult of the you know the, the, the you know the, the the cult of the creative leader. Is it something that's more more prevalent here than in other industries? Well, I mean, I, 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 I do think there's something uniquely sort of um, wrong here in, 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 in Adland because there is this mystique of, you know, the, the, the creative um, sort of, you know, almost mad professor basically who, who just comes up with genius things, leave them alone because, they, they, you know, they're doing a great job. Um, I mean, that I think has diminished a lot in recent years, thankfully. Um, but having said that, I don't think it's unique to advertising. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it can happen in any workplace. Um, and, and, and I'm afraid it needs to be approached and in, 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 in taken just as seriously wherever it happens. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would say the same from some of the comments that, you know, I've been or things that people have told me. It's It seems to be intensified a lot in advertising because I think when there's subjectivity and opinions at uh, as a commodity, you know, because we're basically dealing a lot of times, it's not a science or a factual kind of thing. You know, someone's voice has to be louder um, and, and it's often difficult especially in creative I think when leaders are often promoted via the fact that they're great at creative not particularly good people managers not always and so therefore I think they don't always have the skills and and you know it's quite an insecure business it's a brilliant business and I still bizarrely even after all this I adore it but it's 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 very easy to sort of make yourself look bigger by making other people look smaller which is I think you know where bullying starts but I don't think by any means it's it's only um, advertise extraordinary because people tell me about the police about the NHS about um, government you know I think you know it's it definitely is something that's endemic in in um, in society but just in particularly intensified in advertising I think I think you're absolutely right I think there's a sort of you know the, the cult of the creative directory I mean it's, it was a thing from the past but it still lingers on now that you know People are allowed to get away with it. And it's, it's interesting. So I know you, you put a survey out on LinkedIn asking for people to share their experiences. And, and I saw some of the responses. And, you know, the stereotype is it's always sort of a, a male boss bullying uh, a, a more junior woman. And that, that didn't seem to be borne out by the fact it seems that bullying is sort of, it's sadly, it's universal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, exactly that, Jeremy. It's I was quite surprised. I don't know if it was my bias that just thought, oh, you know, not, not that I expected it as a woman, but it kind of felt a little, I, I understand, I don't know, it was just, I thought that more women would be bullied, but actually not quite the other way, just as many men um, and were bullied. And actually, I think they found it quite helpful to be able to explain it because again there's some sort of shame because uh, around being bullied because it it's almost as if you think you must be weaker in some way I've always been a strong woman I've always had a voice I've won awards I'm a great creative I have quite a good reputation yet I was being bullied and it's, it's like how has that happened but what is wrong you know how has that come to be and I think a lot of men have they secretly told me their stories as in they're on a DM, but some of them were, were very open as well in the comments. But it seems that men bully men, men bully women, willy, women bully women and women bully men. It's every single iteration uh, of, of everything. And it, it's sort of regardless of creed or colour or sexuality. Those are the other things that are kind of happen in there because you know there's a lot of racist abuse there's lots of sexist abuse and it still unfortunately sounds like it's still happening it's actually really floored me a little bit it's, it took me a while to sort of quite to process how much is going on and um, I think it's just particularly pertinent because in an industry we're very good at getting a theme and and going you know it's all about mental health it's all about um BLM it's all about where's women at the top but underpinning a lot of those themes is these behaviors because so many people have said I would not work in that industry anymore I would not work for a big company anymore and we're sort of turning away the talent that could actually make us richer not worse through this sort of kind of behavior 
Totally. I mean, you you wrote that um, now is probably the best time for the industry to, to to change and actually, you know, face up to the fact that bullying is obviously endemic um, within so many organisations. Why why do you think that is? Is it because of the sort of the you know the BLM movement um, and then sort of the wider awareness around mental health, or you know, what, or was it because you know there's a step change because people have been working from home and been able to process? No, they don't need someone shouting at them. I think all of the above, because, I mean, some people were messaging saying, you know, it actually got worse for them being at home because they can always get singled out, which is kind of quite horrendous and quite an extraordinary thing. But for me, I just kind of started thinking about, you know, all the themes, like I said, we talk about BLM and and women in advertising and female leadership and representation and inclusivity. It's kind of like... We need to be respectful of all those people if, and as they come into our industry. So it's almost not what's the point, but why would you want to come into an industry that doesn't treat you as a human being and respect your opinion and your voice? So we, ha- we owe it to ourselves to be make sure that it's a safe, inclusive place for everybody's voice to be heard and not get bullied on such a large scale as it appears to be happening happening I, I agree Sue and I, and I was going to say that you know the trouble is that bullying is really uh, you know it, it's an abuse of power basically and wherever you have a hierarchy there's there's always scope for this sort of abuse and I, I agree that it can happen in in every variety of ways and and to anyone really um I, 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 it's it's something that has to be um uh, tackled and one of the things uh, I think that that, that really um, resonated with me Sue in, in your um, recent article was the need for HR to be independent and to be to, and to know that they have mm. independence. I mean, I mean, it defeats the the very purpose of, of of having an HR presence if they can't be, you know, the canary in the mine, and if they can't be the ones that tell employers and speak to the management of an agency to say there is something very wrong here. We need to act on this, uh, and I think it's something that really does need to be tackled. And any. Um, uh, um, any business, and this isn't just an advertising agency, but any business that is serious about tackling this um, needs to make sure that they have, a, you know, a, 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 um, an independent and and, and vocal um, HR department. It's, it's interesting. I was just going to say it's interesting. A lot of HR department, a lot of agencies, a lot of companies are talking about their sort of inclusivity policies. They put these in place, but when it comes to things like bullying, it's not very inclusive at all, is it? I mean, they're, they're, it, it's. Uh, people are allowed to get away with it still it seems yeah I 100% now I and and the survey that I did totally um plays that back um and it's quite I mean I'm not personally kind of um got anything against HR and they put it would be really interesting to hear from them what struggles they face because it feels like um I don't know if they're allowed to do their job fully you know, sometimes because, you know, of, of the pressures they're putting, they're almost like sandwiched in between, which is why I was sort of suggesting that potentially a little bit more independence might might give the breathing space for both sides to understand what the issues are, because it doesn't seem to be going away. And that's the bit I think that's shocked me the most. And, and I find phenomenal is there's still this kind of behavior happening. And I find it, you know, in 2020, we're all, you know, talking about so many of these things that this behaviour is still ripe. We need some more, you know, young people in our industry. We need to encourage inclusivity, diversity, but we also, you know, we need to make it a place that they want to come to. So it, it, we need to help whatever it takes to help this go away. Totally sure. But I was going to ask you, I mean, HR departments, 
we I think many people um, see them as being sort of you know the you know the, the, the good cop or a fair adjudicator in such processes. But is it true that they're just there to protect the company's reputation and protect the company's interests? Well, I mean, ultimately, I, I, I mean, their role is is to limit damage and and, and to protect the interests of, of their employer. But that doesn't mean that they that, that that a good HR person, you know, cannot be an objective sounding board and 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 you know, a source of help. But one thing that I've found, which is a very practical way to kind of remove this problem of of how much commitment you do or don't get from HR, is to submit a grievance. So. You know, very often you, um, the best way is to start with an informal expression of concern, and that's whether it's to HR or to your manager or someone else that's senior. Um, but if that doesn't work, um, and often in these situations, in a, in a situation like Sue found herself, um, it, it, it clearly didn't work, then making a formal grievance uh, makes it impossible for your employer to ignore um, the concerns you're, that, that, you're, that you're raising. And an employer actually has a, a positive duty to afford a reasonable opportunity for, for employees to, um, you know, ha- have their grievance dealt with, you see. Uh, and mostly you, you, you'll find that it's an express, it's something that's provided for within your handbooks and so on as well. So you should not be slow to use that right if you have to, if you feel you have to. That's interesting. So I was going to ask you, um, what would you say to people um, who might be going through this now? What, is there any advice that you'd give them and why not, on how they should uh, react to it or how they should respond? Um, I think, firstly, I, you should know that you're not alone. I think one of the most overwhelming responses I've got is, thank you, I really felt like I was on my own. And I, to be honest, thought that my experience was quite a unique experience, but unfortunately, it's really not. Protect yourself do you know your mental health is the most important thing and your life is the most important thing so talk to people if you need to talk to a doctor if you need to talk to a therapist just make sure you're not internalizing it and keeping it inside we should keep talking about it keep outing it keep keep mentioning because the more we do hopefully the more that it will get recognized and something needs to be tackled nabs is a very good charity i think we can talk to nabs they have some very good um advice and counseling i think that um you know, like Shilpin said, you know, talking to an employment lawyer is also really good just to make you understand your rights because you can, it can leave you feeling so vulnerable. You think you have no rights at all. So always know that you have an option. Always know there's someone you can talk to and you're not alone in that. You can get through it, but it's just making sure you get the support from from everything you can to help you get through it, I guess. And Chilpin, um, you talked about the, the the grievance procedure. I mean, and, and perhaps you know, keeping a diary. Is, is there any other sort of practical advice that you'd, you'd offer to people who might be, you know, who are, who are, are getting bullied at work? Well, I mean, like I say, I think that documenting it is is really important. But um, not being not being shy about raising it, I think, is is perhaps the, the most. It's a, it's a very easy thing to say and not such an easy thing to do. But you know, you are generally not going to be punished or, or victimized by um, uh, uh, by your employer. Uh, for raising legitimate concerns, I mean, there's there are protections against uh, against that sort of um, victimization in, in the in the form of whistleblowing um, uh, laws, etc. And uh, I, I mean, th- things are improving. It, 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 it's not as if um, uh, th- th- this is just sort of festering away and and, and not being dealt with, because um, th- there has been a recent consultation just last year, actually, and the government is looking into um, how to deal with this. I mean, the focus uh, recently has been on sexual harassment, but that's very close to uh, to bullying because bullying, of course, can manifest itself in so many different ways. And um, one thing that's really interesting is that the, the government ha- is preparing uh, to develop a statutory code of practice or to ask the um, Equality and Human Rights Commission to prepare 
a statutory code of practice uh, to, to deal with this. But what's really interesting, I think, is that they're consulting on the possibility of introducing a mandatory duty to protect to, to protect employees from sexual harassment. Um, and if that comes in, what it means is that not only will employers have to be much more proactive about these things, that there'll also be the possibility of prosecutions being brought even where employees. So, for example, if Sue hadn't taken any action, for example, but if someone reported it to the um, uh, Equality and Human Rights Commission, they could potentially bring a prosecution of their own, basically. Um, so it could really, really um, up the ante on this, basically. Well, that's an interesting point. I was going to ask you, actually, I mean, if you observe, if you're not necessarily being the person being bullied, but you observe bullying at work, how should you react to that? Is, is that something you should go to the HR department to? I mean, I don't know, Sue, whether you got any support from your colleagues that, who observed um, you know, people behaving badly to you. Uh, it's it that again is a really interesting um question because i've had people say to me i've seen it and i did nothing about it and i feel bad about that um and i think it is really difficult obviously i think it's great to offer support because i think it's very easy to sort of think it's your fault so if you see someone's being bullied offer support to them and then I think it's all about talking because, like I said, it can lead you down a very insular road. I mean, years ago, I was in a client meeting and there was a very aggressive client. And I, I actually said, you have to please stop talking the way you're talking because it's it's unacceptable. And he hadn't realised. So sometimes I think you can call these things out because they don't realise um, that, that the effect that, you know, like sometimes this behaviour is having. But I think just you need to keep talking and, and, and offer for support to the people who um, who are being bullied and make a plan with them so they know that they're not alone because it is a very lonely experience being bullied, um, I can attest to. No, well, totally. I was going to say that, um, you know, Sue, thank you very much for sharing your story uh, with us. It's something that campaign, all of us at campaign, I think is really important that, you know, this culture of bullying that's gone on for too long is sort of, is, is, you know, the boils lance because um, it, it's not acceptable um, anymore. And, and the fact that you brought it to light, um, you know, is, is testament to, to, you know, to, to bravery. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there who will thank you for doing so. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much, uh, Sue, for sharing your experiences and giving your advice. And also to, to Shilpin for um, your legal advice. We really appreciate it. And we will continue to monitor bullying and hopefully we can all put it to an end. Thank you very much for joining us. And so I'd just like to say, you know, thank you for, for highlighting this really important point. I, I agree entirely with Jeremy that the, it, it never was acceptable, but it's even less acceptable yeah. now than it ever was. Um, so hopefully it's it, it, it will stop happening. Thank you so much. It means so much to me that I finally got it out and got heard. And I just hope other people will get their stories and it, like you say, it will all stop. So thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. So to end on a slightly lighter note, we are back with Gerda Deegan to talk about a few ads we've seen over the last few weeks. So first up is a, an ad featuring Tiny Temper performing on a, a Whopper. It's called Tiny Tiny on a Whopper. Um, and let's have a listen. Whoppa, 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 whoppa. Skillin' like champagne and mocha. Someone call a chopper. Take her all the way to Saudi just to smoke the docker. Anywhere she go, all she know is whoppa, whoppa. Gerda, immediate thoughts? It's a stunt, you know, it's, it's a typical Burger King stunt, I think. It's interesting because they, 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 they claim that the single Whopper came um, independently of the Whopper. I don't know. Do you believe that? It might have done. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> just, it, it just seems like, as you say, it seems like a stunt. And it also, it's interesting in the context of the uh, 
the public health campaign we were talking about earlier. Mm. This burger contains over 600 calories, which is more than a quarter of everyone's recommended daily intake and around 30 grams of fat. Um, I don't know who this um, ad is appealing to, but I'm guessing it isn't middle-aged people. So um, <laughs> the context of it in uh, when it's launched, I think it's quite quite, quite an interesting controversial. I th- yeah, I think it's just like coincident isn't it and it's just ended up being a bit bad timing for Burger King um but uh everyone's doing these kind of like um uh virtual gigs and stuff so um it's I mean it's Burger King isn't it they they, they've seen something that they can jump on and they'll do it don't they jump very high after having 600 calories in every burger (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, next up is Born Free, uh, Creature Discomforts by Engine, which was created through Ardman Studios, which did the original Creature Comforts film. Let's have a listen. I think there's been times where you do feel just a bit rubbish and just feel sorry for yourself. I think that's what living with me 24-7 yeah. is. It's, it's like, it feels almost surreal. Like, you feel as if you've kind of stepped into this alternate reality um, that isn't your norm. Now, this is the second time that these characters have been used in ads. They were famously used by GGK in its 1990 campaign for the Electricity Board, which in 2007 was voted among the favourite animated and puppet characters in advertising. Gurdjie, do you think these will be the same thing? These will be as popular? I don't remember that campaign <laughs> in 1990. Basically, basically it, was exactly, um... it, was, it was pretty similar. I mean, it's, it's using the warmth of those original film characters um, and anthropomorphising them. Um, and it yeah. sort of you know, it struck a chord at a time when you know currently at the moment there's a lot of still COVID production ads. These have a sort of a bit, a bit of warmth to them, a bit of humour, um, and I think they're a little bit different. Do you do you think they um, they sort of cut through? Yeah, uh, I think. Do you remember like the, at the beginning of lockdown we were all watching Tiger mm. King, um, and now you know that I mean that seems like a lifetime ago. And yeah, there's a there's a real kind of there's a real issue in that where it's those animals are locked up. It's it's very sad, um, and I think what they've done with this ad is is very, um, you know, taken people's uh, real lockdown kind of uh, feelings, um, our temporary lockdown, and put it on uh, the animals who are locked up for for life mm. really, um, and I think that's I think. We all know how we felt in lockdown, um, and it's not always been great. Um, and then you portray that on to animals whose life is like that. Um, I do think it will cut through, and I think it's it's a really, really, really well done ad, and it's really well thought through. I was just going to say, I think it's sort of also evidence of there seems to be a bit of a creative renaissance at eight, uh, engine at the moment. They had this and <laughs> compare the not compare the meerkat cross. <laughs> <laughs> money supermarket <laughs> and I think they traditionally they've relied on Royal Marines and you know the Navy have been their sort of flagship ad account but there's sort of evidence of a greater body of work that seems to be evident of success coming from the new management team yeah. led by Ette and Gern and you know Billy Faithful so I totally agree with that yeah um I think when I was on the podcast last speaking with Omar that's when the um uh, my new supermarket ad with um, the bull in a china shop was out and I just couldn't stop going on about it. Um, and then we did that for pick of the week. Um, and yeah, and then following up from Engine with this ad, yeah, definitely think that, you know, they've 
they're turning a page. Um, it's great to see. Yes. I mean, it's nice to see a creative renaissance at an, at an agency that sort of has always been, you know, harking back to WCRS days a long time ago when it was at the top of the game. Then more recently, it's always been a sort of a six, a six or a seven, and now it's up there with a, an eight and a nine. So congratulations to everyone at Engine. And finally, we have Apple Meet the Creators, which is a pretty simple affair compared to some of Apple's previous ads. Imagination. Imagination. Uh, it's a nice ad. Um, it's so they've uh, they've got labyrinth song. They've overlaid like a load of kind of black and white shots of very well known artists and creators. Um, and it's it's very classic Apple. It's very beautifully done. It's very um, it's very nice for TV. Um, and yeah, it's it's just. And I don't really have an opinion in terms of whether I love it or hate it. It's it's just a nice ad that Apple, I'd expect to come out of Apple, really. What did you think? It's, it's unusual. Ti- I just think it's unusual timing because it shows people working from home when, you know, people are starting to drift back to work, whether they like it or not. So maybe it would be more powerful if it had been released sort of three months ago. But you say it's it's a, it's an app ad. It's absolutely fun. It's beautifully shot. And, but it doesn't really, you know, strike any particular emotional chord for no. me. <laughs> Probably because I've got all the Apple stuff I need. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and that's all we have time for this week on the Campaign Podcast. Thank you to Gurdjit Deegan, Sue Higgs and Shilton Savani for joining us this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode and a bunch of exciting new guests. So be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast player and be the first to hear new episodes. Take care.